When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman for our week two recap episode. First, Bruce, we should mention that we both had kind of unique situations for for Saturday of week two in terms of where we watched the game. Yes, um, I guess I'll start because I don't know a ton of your weekend other than so I was in Boulder with the big noon crew and uh, we got, you know, I I woke up at 4 a.m., got a workout in. We had a call time, I don't know, it was like 5.15 in the morning, got to the set and got a text from my boss who's in back in Los Angeles and was like, call me ASAP. And I had no idea what that was going to be. It turned out um, Mike Hill, my buddy who's who uh, I work with on the TV side, he was sick. And so they're like, hey, after your hit in the, at 8.30, basically, we need you to just turn around and we're going to send a car for you and you're going to go fly back here because you're going to be in the studio all day because we have a bunch of games on Fox. And I was like, okay, this sounds, you know, like, this sounds like it's going to be wild. And it was because what I didn't realize was the flight had to go through Ontario, which is an airport. If you live in California, you probably heard of Ontario, but I, I didn't know Ontario was like, an, it turned out it was like an hour and a half drive back. And so when I was on the, when I landed, I mean, I, I'm still in my suit from TV I hadn't taken the TV makeup off um, and I just kind of hustled, got in the car and then I called you because on my flight to uh, back to California, United, not good for Wi-Fi. I was unable to see anything um, that was going on. So I, I did see a bunch of the Colorado game before I got up in the air, but it was one of those deals where I had to call you to catch up on what I was missing um in that time when i was in the car before getting to the studio so it's just uh i've never had a day like yesterday i felt like a zombie by the end of by the end of the day just because it was a literally probably you know like what a, it is it's like you're like kirk herbstreet you're on t- you were on tv from two different time zones um although i believe kirk gets gets the uh private i think jet. it's a private private yeah. jet don't think did that, were people on the plane like man that is a very well-dressed man for a saturday morning you know what's funny is i tried to like i do the clear you know to get get uh you know, faster through the terminal. And the woman who was like, yeah, I don't know if this boarding pass is going to work. Cause it was like, I had just, you know, just basically got sent it. And she goes, she goes, you look really sharp though. I was like, is that going to get in? She goes, no, you got to go back up to the gate. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm recording this from St. Louis, a hotel in St. Louis, where I was in town for my wife's high school reunion. We had a lot of fun at the festivities on Friday night. And then yesterday I basically just sat in this room all day and watched college football and wrote while she was off with her friends. I gotta say, guys, if you still haven't cut the cord, I don't. You're you're totally missing out because this hotel TV had a Chromecast, so I just streamed my um, streamed or cast the games to my TV and used my phone as a remote. It was great. Um, plus, if I got behind on a game, I could quickly catch up. So, 
Let's talk about those games. Let's start with the big one in Tuscaloosa. Texas takes down Alabama, frankly thumps them. Quinn Ewers lives up to the hype. And it was just really jarring because we're used to Texas not showing up in these kind of games, and they showed up in a big way. And we are definitely not used to Alabama getting humbled like that on their home field. But it kind of confirmed for me what I suspected going into the season, that this is not going to be your typical 11-1 and type Alabama season. They're just... They don't have the guys. No. And, you know, look, they were banged up in the secondary. They got picked apart last night. I thought there was about four different things for Alabama that looked very concerning if you're a Tide fan. First of all, yes, Quinn Ewers looked um, looked amazing. Um, he's He actually was more impressive than even his impressive stats were because they dropped a bunch of passes. Um, he made some remarkable throws that very few people in college football, Caleb being one of them probably, very few other guys could make the throws he makes flat footed um, from some of the angles. He was, I mean, the arm talent was what was hyped up to be. Um, I thought that the Alabama offensive line looked, you know, it was disappointing because they gave, I think they nine TFL, six sacks and Jalen Milrow had a lot of heat on him. And, you know, I, if you're an Alabama fan, I'm not sure if you look at it going, okay, you know, our pass game is really limited right now. And I, the thing is, I don't know if you didn't have Jalen Milrose mobility back there, I'm not sure what that offense would have done. Um, it was, you know, I, again, I, I watched this game with Acho and Acho is obviously a huge Texas guy having played there. Um, and I think he was on the team that, that lost it to Alabama in the national title game. Um, and you're sitting there going, man, can they hold this out? Because there was a bunch of stuff that was going on where you're like, man, they should be up by way more than they are. And they right. weren't. Alabama was just hanging around. But then Texas showed a lot of resilience. Look, credit to Sark. I, I mean, no one ever questioned how good of an offensive mind he was. I think the question is, you know, is like, look, he never had a 10-win season. He's never been able to sustain it. But I think offensively, he outcoached, uh, his staff outcoached Alabama up and down the field. And I thought their players looked really prepared. Again, this is in Tuscaloosa. They won a home game. Like right. last year, they probably should have beat them. The only thing they should have done yesterday was probably beating them a lot worse. Uh, you know, I don't, whether we're talking about Texas is back or not, Texas has a ton of momentum to go into the SEC and show that they can compete uh, because that offensive line is still pretty young. They're still pretty young in certain places. And it was an impressive showing. Yeah, the, the thing I would say is they finally look like a team, the team that you would expect to see wearing those jerseys. They've been like an eight and five kind of team for so long. And this looked like a national power kind of team. Now it's one game. They got to prove they can sustain it. Um, but, you know, I, I was very like puzzled going into the season why Texas was considered the clear-cut favorite in the Big 12. And after last night, I kind of get it because the rest of the Big 12, for the most part, has floundered. Um, Texas Tech is 0-2. Baylor is 0-2. TCU obviously dropped the ball in the first game. Um, but Texas got it done. In and, and, you know, you mentioned, obviously, Sark and being an offensive mind, but credit to their defense, which got a lot better last season. Maybe people didn't really notice that. And I thought, you know, you said they sacked Jalen Milrow. Uh, they just got complete, a lot of pressure on him. 
I would also say if you're an Alabama fan, you know, you should be concerned about everything because you, you, we were under no delusion that they would be this, you know, this great passing offense with Jalen Norrow. But they couldn't run the ball either. They were running backs 63 yards on 20 carries. And when you think about it, you know, you, you lost Jameer Gibbs, who was, I believe, the he was a top 15 pick. And then you looked at the roster of running backs they had coming back. And these are guys like Jason McClellan who have been there a while, but have never really been the featured guy and did not look like featured guys last night. And then the other thing I would say is you at least thought they could hang their hat on their defense. Uh, Dane Brugler, our NFL draft expert, Alabama's defense finished with six total pressures versus Texas. Last year, Alabama averaged 19 and a half pressures per game. Will Anderson had six pressures by himself in his final college game, the bowl game against Kansas State. So pretty much everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Nick Saban said afterward it was a test. Fortunately, it was a midterm, mid not a final. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not going to rule the guy out. I'm not going to rule out them getting a lot better. But I'm going to stick to what I said before the season, 9-3. and three, Because I don't think they have, you know, it used to be they could just kind of roll through the SEC, maybe lose one game, because they were just so much better than the other teams or most of the other teams. And look, the LSU team I saw the other night didn't, didn't play well that night. But are you telling me there's some huge gap between the two of those teams? No. Um, I guess the saving grace for Alabama would be it, is, it has been a very un-SEC start to this season. LSU got thumped. Alabama got thumped. Texas A&M got thumped in uh, uh, Miami yesterday, which we should talk about later. Um, South Carolina got thumped by North Carolina. They are 3-6 and six against Power 5 opponents. They were actually 1-6 going into last night. And then Mississippi State pulled it out over Arizona in overtime. And Auburn beat Cal 14-10 to 10 in a very uh, ugly, ugly game. So the opposite of that is the Pac-12 6-3. So does that mean the Pac-12 is a better conference than the SEC? That would be surprising. But as we start to turn our attention later in the year to the playoff race, what I do think will be the case is the Pac-12 is going to have all these ranked teams. So... Whoever emerges as the champion or is in championship contention is probably going to have a bunch of wins over ranked teams. Georgia is not playing anybody out of conference. And if you, we already thought their schedule was going to be light going into the season. I mean, they might not, I would actually say probably won't play a ranked team until at least the Ole Miss game, which is their second to last conference game, and maybe even the Tennessee game at the, at the end of the conference season. So it's like the committee generally gives the SEC the benefit of the doubt, as they should, because usually SEC rolls through non-conference play. This year, not so much. I think what, and I said this um, last week, I think on this podcast, because I know it got picked up because we talked about it in the studio a lot last night, was that the Pac-12 is the deepest conference in college football right now. And let's start with the obvious reasons. They have the best quarterbacks right now, by far. I mean, it is a ridiculously deep group. We haven't mentioned Shador yet, but Shador is really impressive. You go, I think they are like eight or nine legit guys um, there, and you have some really good offensive coaches. I also think, you know, some of these other leagues are still trying to figure out their identity. We've seen a lot of, like a lot of staff shakeups. We've seen some different things go on. I wouldn't be entirely ready to, to punt on LSU. I mean, Mason Smith wasn't there. I do think they are going to, it's not fair to say that LSU is the only one who's going to evolve and mature and grow. Like, I think Saban's right. I think this team in early September is going to be a lot different than the one in November. Um, 
but it, it was just fascinating to watch on a, on a, on a bunch of levels, these teams, you know, we saw how bad Florida looked last week. Right. And, um, I know they I think they played McNeese yesterday, but it was just, uh, you know, uh, again, this could be, if Georgia is a team that goes in three peats, it's not going to matter for the perception of the SEC right. in 2023, because they'll hold it, hold it down. By the way, like Tennessee, I don't know if you watched any of that because we had all the TVs on. Tennessee was like screwing around with, with Austin P. You know, it was a, it was a surprisingly close game for a long stretch. Um, and I mean, it wasn't like a, just for like the first quarter. It was like, it was just kind of weird. You're expecting them to blow them off the field. And again, they still won the game, but I wasn't that one of the many games that had a long weather delay. There, there was a whole lot of games yesterday that had weird weather delays. And I think that was one of them. Maybe it wasn't that. I mean, there was a weather delay. I don't know how long it was, but yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the Pac-12 hasn't had a playoff team till tw- since 2016. And right now I find it hard, you know, hard to imagine they wouldn't have a playoff team because whoever comes out of that thing, like I said, is going to have no question, really good schedule strength. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, you're talking about the deep roster of quarterbacks. Last year, the knock was, well, yeah, they got great quarterbacks, but they have no defenses. And it was, it was true. Well, on Saturday, we saw Washington State win a game with a defense that held Wisconsin under 100 yards rushing. We saw Oregon go to Texas Tech, and their defense basically pulled the game out at the end. And four turnovers. Stop. Four turnovers, yeah. Yeah. So, seems a Washington against Boise State in the first game. Like, these defenses, at least some of them, seem to be getting better. So, that is, to me, like, the SEC is the SEC until proven otherwise, but they're definitely, they're definitely not starting out. Um, they're definitely, they don't look like the SEC of the past. And now somebody might say, like, well, it's a small sample size. You're just basing it off these few games. Well, that's really all we have in college football. These perceptions of these conferences get established early in this the season. Year. And it's this hard is to it. shake. Exactly yeah. Right. Yeah. And every other conference has gone through this at some point. The Big Ten would, would you know, back in the days this is going back to like late 2000s pre-urban meyer in the big 10 would routinely get embarrassed in non-conference play pac-12 has often gotten embarrassed in acc which is actually off to a good start so the sec is having that this year and obviously the track record is a lot 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 deeper but i'm going to be inclined not to give these teams the benefit of the doubt after what okay there's there's uh within the sec discussion uh i got to see a lot of the AM miami game Anum's up 10 nothing. You know, it was interesting. I talked to somebody who's close to the UM program over the weekend. He was like, I don't think Miami's ready for this physically. And AM's got some bad, you know, like real bad dudes. They didn't say just bad, you know, like there was a lot in terms of what they got in the trenches. AM's big and physical. Miami has some of those guys, but some of the guys they have are young. Um, and the feeling was, because I asked this person, what do you think of Tyler Van Dyke? Could he lead them to an upset? And this person was like, I don't think so. I just think he's too inconsistent and everything. Well, they're down 10 nothing, and they're making some mistakes. They, you know, they're having, you know, there's a bunch of flags and it looks like they're shooting themselves in the foot. And then there was a moment, uh, they've gone three and out the first two series where Xavier Restrepo, who's a solid receiver, a slot guy for them, beats the safety off the line and ends up going for almost 50 yards. And from that moment on, I felt like Miami's confidence took off. And they, I think they put up 48 or 49 points from that moment on. And they really blew A&M off the field. And credit to Shannon Dawson, the new offensive coordinator. And look, credit to Mario Cristobal. I did not think he was going to go 
all in, whether Shannon Dawson's calling it an air raid or not. Shannon Dawson, it was an air raid guy. I mean, he worked for Hal Mummy before Dana. And he, you know, like we saw Miami make plays a lot all over the field. And, you know, they have plays in the return game. And then you sit there, look at if you're an AM fan, and you and I talked about this over the summer, this was the one game early on where you're like, okay, this is the game they can't afford to lose. Because as you look at how their schedule sets up, it's the only road game they have for a long stretch. And they go, you know, it's like New Mexico, which obviously they had no trouble with. They got ULM, which they shouldn't have a hard time. But then they got Auburn, that's home. Arkansas home and Alabama. That's a lot of home games to get into basically before they go to Tennessee in mid-October. Um, and I'm not saying because Jimbo Fisher and 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 AM lost this game. He's going to get fired at the end of this year or in the middle, you know, like late in the year, because we know the buyout is enormous. But this is a game that does not bode well for them to lose. And honestly, they ended up losing by double digits. You know, it was 15 point loss. I'm curious to see how this is going to play out going forward, because, you know, look, Connor Wegman's good and he's talented, but like they should be a lot better than this. Miami is way younger and way uh like not as far along into the into the evolution of what their coach wants them to be than what Jimbo Fisher's doing at that program. Well, Tyler Van Dyke, 21 of 30 for 374 yards, five touchdowns and no picks, looked great. They looked fast at the skill positions. And the ironic thing for AM is all of the attention in the offseason was fixing the offense. They hired Bobby Petrino. Is Jimbo going to let him do his thing? Offense wasn't the problem on Saturday. Their defense was brutal. Um, missed tackles galore, bad coverage. And so that's, I mean, if, that's the problem right now. Jimbo doesn't really have anything to hang his hat on. I don't necessarily know that means they're going to go five and seven again. You know, last year's game, if you remember, in College Station was a really ugly um, A&M won 17 to nine. It was a slog. And then both those teams ended up going five Offense and seven. It wasn't great though either, Stu. I mean, they had three turnovers. They didn't run the ball well. Um, they threw a bunch, you know, I think he threw for 350 or something like that, but it, they had the three turnovers. They did not run the ball. Well, I think offense was not great. Again, this is like, no, you're right. They, Miami I mean, had they, a horrible defense last year under, by the way, Nick Saban's new defensive coordinator, Kevin Seal. Miami's defense was actually worse than the offense last year. And it wasn't like, you know, I just felt like a, a- m just really struggled on both sides of the ball. It was a, just a dud showing by them. Well, their first two touchdowns came off turnovers where they didn't really have to drive. So I'm trying to, I'm looking here now. Did they have, they had one 75 yard drive late in the third quarter and a 74 yard drive in the fourth. But for the most part, no, it was, um, not a, not it was actually kind of a deceiving all. score that they even got to 33. So again, you know, the SEC, when you look at the SEC before the season, okay, Alabama might be vulnerable. Who's going to take, take, take that spot? LSU was the popular pick, but some people thought, well, if A&M's got the talent, you know, they have an OC now, maybe they rise up. And then you see this and you're like, oh yeah, they've still got a lot of problems. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Let's turn our attention to Boulder, which has become basically the epicenter of college football. You guys were there for big noon yesterday. uh, Boulder has become the epicenter of sport of the sports world right now you keep you keep saying that uh, i I'm think you're overselling at, it a little bit i'm at practice on friday and we got half the nba is at practice on friday 
I'm not exaggerating. Well, I'm exaggerating that half the NBA, but there's a bunch of NBA dudes who are at practice. Terrell Owens is there. Then you got Michael Irvin coming. Then you got Shannon Sharp and Wu Tang is there. It's like I talked to, so there's some, you know, Nike reps who are working with Dion now. And I got this big story that's going to get, you know, uh, that should run tomorrow on, I should run Monday on the person really behind Dion, his business manager. It's kind of a fascinating dynamic how this thing is just exploding beyond just what's going on on the field. And then the Nike guys, so the only thing I can compare this to in the last 20 years is when Pete Carroll was at USC. Yeah, I was just going to say Pete that. Dog, Will Ferrell. But the difference in this point was made was, yeah, Pete Carroll's charismatic by football coach standards. He wasn't Deion Sanders. And so, again, I cannot, like, once NFL starts, it's different. But, you know, and that's going to be today. But I think at this point, there's such a fascination with what has happened at Colorado um, and what Dion has done. I, I think unless you're around it, you just don't quite get the scope of it. The thing that really stood out to me about just how big this is getting is that within an hour of the game ending, game day announced they're going to Boulder next week. They're playing Colorado State in a 10 p.m. Eastern game. This is not the kind of game that they usually hype up. They're going. Your show, and you had told me that you were under the impression you were going somewhere else, you know, leading into yesterday. Yeah, I think we were planning on going to Illinois uh, for the Penn State game. Illinois got smacked around by by uh, Kansas on Friday night. And the, the I don't know, the Dion effect at Colorado, again, I cannot under, under, I cannot overstate it enough of what it's doing for people TV ratings wise, eyeballs wise, you know, it's just... And it's not a great week of games next week to be. It's a, to be. actually it's not, but the weekend after is is pretty loaded, and you know, Colorado Oregon is could be the biggest game of the weekend. Then they play USC the next week, which I think, unless Colorado gets blown out by Oregon, will be even bigger because you now you've got you know. Let's talk about Shador for a second. You know, it's interesting. I was at the TCU game in person. Sometimes watching a game in person in the press box. Sometimes it's helpful in, in learning more about the guys. Sometimes it's the opposite. I felt like I learned more about how just what makes him special watching on TV yesterday and seeing the replays of some of the ridiculous throws he was making. Uh, he is definitely in the conversation now of the elite quarterbacks in the country, which is saying something because there's a lot of really good quarterbacks. And this is a guy who we hadn't seen really before this year unless you watched his Jackson State tape. Some of the throws he makes are, are just are legit NFL throws. And Nebraska early on, I thought, did a really good job getting pressure on him. And then it just seemed like, you know, poor Jeff Sims. That guy, at one point they put up a stat that he was the career leader in the Big Ten in turnovers. And then he goes out and has three more. And Wait a minute, career leader in turnovers in the Big Ten. He's played, he had, he's, Jeff Sims has, hasn't even played, he's played one Big Ten game. Yes, they're, they're taking his turnovers from Georgia Tech and, and, basically saying he has the most career turnovers Anybody of any won. player in the Big Ten. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the country because it's a big number. It's now 37. He had three more. The first two led, or the second two led to uh, Colorado touchdowns. And it just seemed like the defense that had actually played quite well early in the game for Nebraska, then the, the walls caved in at that point because um, Nebraska had nothing going for it. The defense had to keep going out there. Uh it was it was much the same as the game against TCU. Just a 
really explosive passing game, really good receivers. And, you know, I'm curious to see. I know there's going to be all this attention on Boulder next week. Not too worried about them against Colorado State. But I, how curious and intriguing is it that the two weeks after that, they're going to face two of the uh, favorites in the Pac-12, with each of them with quarterbacks who are among the best, and in Caleb's case, the best in the country. Can Shador and the Buffs out, out you know, shoot in a Because I think those games will be shootouts. Um, outperform one or both of those guys. Uh, I tried to watch a little of the USC Stanford game last night. It was such a blowout. It was forty nine nothing at halftime. Forty nine three. And and Caleb was doing his Caleb thing. Uh, you know he's he's still incredible. I know everybody likes to turn their attention to the new flashy thing, but uh, he's to me still the best player in college football until proven otherwise. Yeah, look, I'll be surprised if they were to beat one of Oregon and USC. You know, Oregon's got some real studs in the in the front on D, and I think they're gonna they're better than both Nebraska and TCU is up on the D line, and I think those guys are gonna give give CU a hard time to manage them and to come and not come after because Shador got hit a lot yesterday. The other thing was Nebraska did a good job, or at least a much better job than TCU did. Um, you know, for the first half of tackling in space. I thought they did really well. It was just the Jeff Sims, I don't want to say unforced errors, but the two fumbled exchanges, just you can't afford. Then he had a really bad pick. I mean, he's six turnovers in his first six quarters of football. And if you're a Nebraska fan, like they don't have a Trey Palmer on this team. Like Trey Palmer was a is super fast, big play receiver. They don't even have that. So their margin for error is really small. At this point, they couldn't afford anything to go wrong, and it obviously did. Um, I, you know, I don't want to jump ahead and get into Oregon and get into USC too much versus Colorado. Um, CU's offensive line, I think, has has played about as you know way better than I could have expected, but it's still, you know, it's still got a long way to go. And depth wise, I think they're still, still kind of, you know, just they're not there, and that you wouldn't expect them to be there. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of scene you read. Like, you know, you were the one who actually broke the news. I was in the car somewhere between, uh, Ontario, California and Los Angeles when you were like, yeah, you guys are going back to, to Boulder next week. I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> no, we're not. And then, uh, like, I don't know, a half hour later, one of my bosses kind of explained to me and I was like, okay. Um, from what I understand, it changed like in an instant yesterday. Like it must have been a very um, quick decision to pivot to the point where, yeah, you're traveling. You don't even know that 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 your employer has uh, has changed destinations for next week. Do you think? Because funny, you know, we went from before the year, Colorado's got this brutal early season schedule. They're gonna go one and four. They win the first two, and now I'm seeing. Well, they haven't played anyone yet. Those teams aren't very good. Obviously, that's that's always how it works in college football. Nobody's played anybody. So you're saying, yeah, I think they're probably going to get exposed against Oregon, and you may be right. I don't know if uh, I would say they're going to get exposed. I think they're going to probably lose against Oregon, but I also thought they were going to get thumped by TCU, and that didn't happen. So, it, how much on, the, on a scale of 1 to 10, how shocking would it be to you if we get to November and Colorado is very much in the hunt for the Pac-12 title? Um, not shocking. Not shocking. No, if you told me that Colorado in November is seven and two, I wouldn't, you know, the, the, the challenge is going to be, can they keep 
you know, Shador healthy. Because I think if he gets hurt, I th- I think Shador Sanders, like, not a knock on the, the rest of the quarterback room. The backup is not as good as Miller Moss. Just, no, I don't feel the confidence in Miller there. Moss being USC's backup. USC's backup, thank you. So I just think that there's, you know, he is such a leader and such a calming presence and such a, I mean, he's a quarterback, like like the definition of quarterback. He is in total control. Um, and I, I think it's hard to, to stay healthy, especially when you get, you know, you have a, a young, you know, kind of, I don't say patchwork offensive line, but it's essentially what it is at this point. So I don't know if they were, if you told me they were seven and two and in the hunt in the, for the pack 12, I'd be like, maybe, you know, like I'm, I'm, I don't think they're, if you, I don't think they're going to make it to the playoff, but I definitely think they have the talent as long as Shador stays healthy to be a top 25 team this year. I agree. And the crazy thing is the pack 12 has a lot of top 25 teams. I want to talk about Wazoo for a second. They are not one of the teams that was ranked in the preseason. They are not, you know, one of the teams that was getting buzz. On Friday, and I'll say this very quickly because I don't want to harp on yet another realignment angle. On Friday, Washington State and Oregon State filed a complaint against the Pac-12. Not a lawsuit, but but a temporary restraining order because they're they're concerned that the conference presidents are about to like dissolve the conference. The, uh, the, the, the presidents of the schools that are leaving are about to dissolve the conference and take the money for themselves. So it's a huge, it's a big, you know, headache, drama, which is par for the course in that conference. And they go out and they beat Wisconsin, a ranked Wisconsin team. Second year in a row, they've beaten Wisconsin. And in the post-game interview, one of the first things Jake Dickert said was, we belong in the Power Five. We belong in the Power Five. These kids have worked too hard. And look, we know... Realignment is not tied all that closely to performance on the field. So I don't know that that's going to change much. But I've been saying, hey, what a great story would be if Oregon State um, gets the Pac-12, wins the Pac-12, gets the Pac-12 title. Is Washington State a team that should be considered to be in that mix? Maybe. I mean, I think we're going to – this is a 2.0 moment for Cameron Ward. Like, I think Ben Arbuckle, we've talked about him some. I know I've written about him. He's the 27-year-old new OC at Wazoo. He's the former Uber Eats driver when he was getting his career off the ground. And he's another Zach Kitley through like Cliff Kingsbury protege guy. And Cam Ward looked different last night watching him. Like he looked, he looked quicker. Um, He was like, he's going to get lost in the shuffle because like when you said there's like, like eight or nine stud quarterbacks, he's definitely in that mix. And Wisconsin, you know, is is uh, has guys on defense. You know, I know they're in transition. They weren't great last year, but wasn't like wasn't like uh, Wisconsin was going to take them lightly after Wazoo went in there and beat them. You know, Jake Dickert's a Wisconsin, you know, is from the state of Wisconsin himself. But you know, like I think also just in knowing how Jake Dickert has spoken up in certain times of all the conference chaos and especially how it's affected his school and and oregon state i think he's somebody we should be you know keeping an eye on more you know he's done a really good job he's one of these guys having known him a little bit who rose up the ranks from like division three and coached at every level he did an awesome job of in the wake of the nick rolovich exit and all the i'm gonna i almost use the word tumult (laughs) because all that that you were right you were right it's it's you had the pronunciation right, it turns out. 
It's weird though. So, but of all the stuff that those kids in the Wazoo program have had to deal with, you know, tragedies of, of you know, player deaths and just the chaos and, and things that they've, and he was the guy who's helped stabilize it. So, um, look, credit to him. I think I'm glad we're talking about it. I think that, um, you know, I'm interested to see where they go from here because again, Colorado as, as they should, Colorado has, has really stolen a lot of the spotlight from some other people, um, at this point, but like, let's not get it lost that um that was a really good win from them especially after what happened last year as we're recording this the polls have not come out yet but when they do i the pac-12 will have seven ranked teams and could possibly have eight if washington state gets in there so basically i think there are now eight teams that if they catch the right breaks could reach the pac-12 championship game which is nuts the only ones i would not put in that discussion Arizona, ASU, Cal, and Stanford. Um, I will say the on the flip side of that, there's been a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement about Luke Fickle, and understandably so. But I was one of the people who thought this is such a huge change in the kind of offense they're going to run. I don't know that it's going to happen overnight. And yeah, we saw a Wisconsin team that is known for its running game could barely run the ball at all against Washington State. And so... It may be that you're going to see that more than you might expect from Wisconsin this season. So it's a little surprising to me because I know Bill Longo came from, you know, he's a Mike Leach disciple, but they ran the ball really well at North Carolina. And to this point, it's not like they don't have running backs. I mean, you know, Braylon Allen, uh, you know, was, but they just really couldn't get a lot going last night. 29 carries, the longest carry was 17 yards. And look, Washington State deserves a lot of credit for, sh you know, sh shutting that down. But they held them to under 400 yards, and that's uh, total offense. That's a pretty good thing, pretty good sign in this day and age. Okay. Turning to a different subject entirely late Saturday night, as all of this, you know, as you're reading, as you're watching college football and, and, and devouring all the on field results. USA Today drops a bombshell that Mel Tucker, a Michigan State coach, is the subject of a Title IX complaint at Michigan State. He's been accused of sexually harassing, sexually harassing an, a person who, if you follow the sport pretty closely, she's going to, it's a very familiar name, Brenda Tracy. Um, her story has been well documented. She was raped at Oregon State when she was a student, and she has become one of the most outspoken um, activists on that topic. She goes and she speaks to college teams often before the season um, about having about you know the importance of respecting women. They had they sign a pledge. Has teams sign a pledge, and Michigan State was one of the schools she did that at. And then apparently this was in twenty twenty one, and then Mel Tucker kind of develops a relationship with her, and it basically just comes down to, I mean, Mel Tucker is not denying that he had phone sex with Brenda Tracy. But he's saying it was consensual, and Brenda Tracy's saying it was absolutely not. So we're talking about a school, obviously, that has already gone through some pretty salacious scandals recently, and a coach who, you know, most people know right now, or, or have over the last couple of years, he's come to be associated with this enormous guaranteed contract that he got. And I don't know how you could read this and not think that he might not have that guaranteed contract much longer. Yeah, I, I'll, you know, I was in the car ride home last night and it was like 10 30 or so 
and I'm groggy and it's a long day. And I saw this, I, I didn't click on the story at first. I just saw, I was like, you know, what happened at Michigan state that you're sending me this. And then when I, when I kind of got settled, I started to read this and I was like, it was shocking. Uh, if the allegations are true, like it's, it's shocking. It's, um, if the allegations are true, it's not just disgusting. It's sad. It's, it's kind of, you know, here, I don't know. You think, you know, people, but you really don't know people kind of thing. I mean, I've, I've, I know Brenda Tracy having, uh, covered her a little bit and some of the work she's done, some of the amazing work she's done. Um, it's just an ugly story. It really is. And and we'll see where it goes from here. I, you know, again, I don't know if you're Michigan state, like, you know, you're in the big 10 here, by the way. And this is, you know, and again, I don't want to equate this to the Pat Fitzgerald story because the allegations are very different, but just in terms of like, the the a, a guy you're like you you don't think they're gonna get fired or you know in the way that this could happen i mean we've seen some of these stories and honestly we've seen a bunch in the big 10 the you know the just creepy sexual um this isn't a sexual violence story but just you know michigan state has an ugly recent history of this you know michigan has has an ugly side as Ohio State has had it. Certainly Penn State with Jerry Sandusky has the as 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 nasty as as it gets, right? Um I you know, I like I said, I, I it's shocking and sad and disgusting all all at the same time. It's also very surprising to me that this did not get out before now because this investigation has been going on for quite some time. He was interviewed for it in March. Um you know, this is a Title IX hearing. It's a, it's not a criminal proceeding. It's a you know school Title IX investigation, and Mel Tucker is scheduled to have the, the hearing on this to determine the formal hearing to determine whether Tucker violated the school's policy banning sexual harassment and exploitation is scheduled for October fifth and sixth during the Spartans' bye week. That was really nice of them to uh, work that around his schedule. Um, a lot of people are going to see this and be like. He should be fired right now. He should be fired tomorrow. My guess is they're going to have to go through the proceedings and have that hearing. I don't think you're going to just, I mean, frankly, they've known about this for a long time and he still has his job right now. So obviously we're going to need to follow that story very closely this week. As of this recording, Michigan State has not said anything, but they're going to have to here at some point. Um, Turning back to on the field, why don't we do our shout outs? All right, Stu, my shout out is going to be the Rice Owls and Coach Mike Bloomgren, they won the Bayou Bucket, beating Houston, um, got a two-point conversion, 43-41. JT Daniels, who's had just a roller coaster out of career, career high, 401 yards passing. Um, pretty amazing for them. And this is the, what is the, what is this, the first Power 5 win they've had in, how long? In a, in a decade. Yeah. And there's a, you know, did you know there was a trophy in the uh, Houston Rice series? I knew there was a trophy. I did not know it was called the Bayou Bucket, though. I mean, they don't play every year, but uh, Houston had won that seven times in a row. Remember, I suggested before the season, Dana might be on the hot seat this year. That, that did not help his cause. You mentioned JT Daniels. Uh, the highlight, the main highlight I saw last night was JT Daniels throws to Another familiar name for some people, Luke McCaffrey, who's been a receiver there for the last couple of years. 
who catches a crazy one-handed touchdown pass. Where his so, helmet pops off in the way. Like, we watched this highlight. I had to talk yeah. to the highlight probably eight times, but it was an amazing catch and throw. My shout-out is going to go to, I'm guessing I gave these guys a lot of shout-outs last year, but I'm not done. Kansas Jayhawks, Jalen Daniels, they kind of, you know, they had the hot start last year, and then he got hurt and missed a lot of games. And even when he came back, he wasn't the same guy, and they ended up going 6-7. and seven. Well, you remember Illinois had a, was one of the better stories last year, too. Brett Bielema's team, uh, Friday, they played Friday night. Kansas crushed them. And Jalen Daniels looked like his old electric self. You know, yet another guy who is on the list of the top quarterbacks around the country. I said earlier, you know, the Big 12 has been pretty underwhelming so far this year. When you look around at some of the teams who maybe you thought would be in the mix, even Oklahoma yesterday did not really, uh, I think they put up 28 on SMU. I would have expected more. What do you think? Can, I, can, can Kansas enter the Big 12 title, at least title game? How about a Texas-Kansas Big 12 championship game? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Jalen Daniels. He is such a cool customer. You know, he's super smart. You see the decisions he makes. Yeah, don't doubt Lance Leipold. The guy's won a bunch of national titles, and he did amazing work at Buffalo, and he's obviously done a miracle job at KU. Yep. Well said. They've got players. Uh, I should note that can my preseason pick was Kansas State over Texas in the Big 12 title game in Kansas State. Hey, they as, had a good win yesterday. They beat yeah. Troy. Troy is a really good team, really, you know, good Sunbelt team. And they smashed them. Good for yeah. Me. Kansas State is still very much in the discussion. Nothing has, has changed on that end. But I do feel like they and Texas have obviously gotten off to the best start in that conference. Um, Cincinnati did win at Pitt yesterday, so I thought they were going to really struggle this in their first year in the Big Twelve. That's a really good non-conference win. So we will be back for our second episode later this week, and it is going to be every week our mailbag episodes. So send your questions to the Audible Pod at gmail.com. And we will see you next time. How did we get away with the things we used to do?